The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We are talking about Marquette's dream season ending early. We're also going to chat about the great leverage wards of 2023 between the Packers and the Jets. We'll also discuss how things got really weird with Packer fans and Pat McAfee over the weekend. And also, we will talk about the Bucs and Brook Lopez, why he could be the key to the Bucs making it back to an NBA Finals. Before we get going, just a reminder, we're on social media, Tavon Keg on Twitter, Tavon Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok, Facebook, too. We had a good TikTok about the McAfee drama, which you can go find. Uh, we have a lot of engaged uh, people in the comments there. Uh, we also had the reviews and everything else, so make sure you're following, liking, uh, even giving us a share. would really appreciate that to expand the reach. I know I ask a lot of you. Uh, if you are new to the program, welcome. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. Uh, we're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on wherever else you get your podcast. Overcast is one we've seen pop up from time to time. Um, so if you're you're listening on there, shout out to you. If you're already subscribed, uh, make sure you're sharing, sharing us to your friends, whether you're dropping it in the group chat or just telling a buddy, hey, this is a really good alternative to local sports radio. Uh, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit unique. Um, I hope that you're, you're sharing and spreading the good word of tapping the keg. And Special shout out to those who came in during the Marquette season. Uh, if you are one of those people, uh, I really appreciate you. I hope you stay on past the Marquette season. I will try to talk more about Marquette in the off season. Um, I sometimes do a bad job of off season talk. I think because we are we talk about everything. Uh, off season sometimes get left in the dust, um, and I I just it's it happens because you don't have enough time. Like if I had a two or three hour show and I just don't have the capacity to do that, then yeah, we certainly would would mention, you know, what's going on right now with Badger football, which I know Marquette fans are like, hey, you're talking about the Badgers. You what are you doing? Uh but no, seriously, uh really appreciate you guys hopping on. Make I, I hope you guys have enjoyed us. Hope you're following along on one of the socials so we can engage and hang out. Like I I never want it to feel like you can't ask me a question or you can't, you know, give me feedback about something or you have you're wondering about this or you want a topic on that. Like I'm happy to do all of that. Um, I know someone asked about the NIL stuff for Marquette and where we stand and and could guys leave and you know there have been some stuff bubbling, whatever. Um, we can we can talk about that in another day. We won't talk about it today. But I do appreciate it if you are a Chicago sports fan, but you're a Marquette fan. Uh, yeah, it might not be the easiest listen, but maybe you hate listening about Rodgers and maybe or maybe you unsubscribe for a little while. And then you come back around November and we have you for the month of November or you just you just hate listen to all the all the Wisconsin sports topics that we'll talk about from now until the start of Marquette basketball season for the 2023 to 2024 season. But before that, let's put a bow on the regular season and talk a little bit more in depth there. Marquette Golden Eagles had an incredible season. They had an absolute dream of a year, okay? Um, even though the dream ended early, it is a dream season. You, you can't, like, understate that. I think that in a few days, we will all come up, we will all breathe fresh air because it's getting nicer in the state of Wisconsin and realize what a great year Marquette had. Will there be some what-ifs that settle in? Absolutely, 100%. There, there's no question about it. But you have to think about it in a positive manner, that this is only the beginning, that this is a stepping stone, that this should be the start of next year's championship DVD, right? 
usually Rome isn't built in a day with college programs, right? They don't immediately just turn the switch and all of a sudden they are an absolute juggernaut. It usually takes heartbreak. It usually takes getting at the doorstep a couple times before breaking down that door. Marquette losing in the round of 32 was not expected. I, I, even though they were lightly favored against Michigan State, Tom Izzo is one of the best coaches in March, and he showed it again today. And we'll talk more about the game itself in a little bit. But to be, you know, crestfallen about, you know, what happened is, is probably unnecessary. Because this is a good year. This is a great year. This isn't a good year. This is a great year. It's a great year for Marquette. Because Marquette basketball matters again. Okay? Marquette basketball means something to not only myself, but to my father, who was a graduate, uh, not only undergrad, but also law. And, you know, him texting me, asking me questions, having conversation. Him and I had that a long time ago when I lived with him. We watched a lot of games together. I lived with my parents three years after college. Um, so he was really involved. Part of the reason why I think my dad didn't want me to leave, because um, he really didn't. Like, he was like, you can stay here as long as you want. And and I probably could have, because he loved the fact that he could watch sports with his buddy. Like, he, I was there. Just I knew when games were on. I, you know, I made sure we had the channels and everything else. And, and it was great for him. And so now, because it's, he doesn't have that, I have to sometimes remind him and tell him what time things are on and stuff like that. But he's all in. Like, he has opinions. He has thoughts. I haven't sold him on the box as much. He still will watch the box, but he he's not as in-depth on the box. But Marquette is back in his life. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. I think for the casual Marquette fan, they they are back, Right. The fact that, you know, you have people tweeting about Marquette more and more. You have Instagram stories. You have people going to the games. You have the sellout crowds. Marquette sold out, I think, their last four regular season games of the season. Like, that matters, okay? People don't, like, that won't be forgotten just because they lost to Michigan State. People are going to remember that. You're going to have big crowds in November and when in December when Marquette has primetime opponents. That they're going to be there. Notre Dame, I think, comes to town. Wisconsin doesn't, unfortunately. I, I know there'll be other matchups. I don't have that on, on the top of my hand. But still, they, the fans will be back. And the expectations will be high. And we'll talk about that. Because that's going to be a different season for Marquette. But right now, in the present moment, this has been an absolute love-like journey. This has been, it's been exactly what you want. There are a lot of teams that will look at a round 32 loss as a disappointment. You could argue Baylor feels that way today. Baylor has a lot of older guys, right? They have a lot of guys who are trying to recapture the magic of 2021, and they just fell apart down the stretch. That Kansas game broke them. They never were able to really recover from that Kansas game. Arizona being out in the first round with all the talent that Arizona has and looking like a team that a lot of people thought were a national championship contender. They bow out early. Uh, you have Kansas, who is trying to go back-to-back -back for the first time since that Florida Gator Boys team in the mid-2000s. They are out in round two, just like Baylor was last year. And just like Baylor, they saw a North Carolina team that was un that underperformed and then finally kind of figured it out and met in March, just like Arkansas did. Devo Davis said that as much. He's like, we didn't have it all figured out, and then we did, and I'm glad we did before it was too late.
that shit happens. But those are disappointing seasons, right? Like, if you're a Kansas fan today, you are fucking pissed. You are still mad about what happened. Even though you had a lot of breaks, you had a lot of calls go your way, it still didn't result in a victory. Kansas didn't have enough to push it across. And would have Bill South been there, helped that? Maybe. You'll always have that one if you're a Kansas fan. So, but for Marquette, there are going to be what ifs, and we'll we'll talk about the game itself in a little bit here. But you're still going to reflect fondly on the fuck'em comment by Tyler Colon, the win against Baylor, where I think if you had a perfect game, like in baseball, you know, where you you just 27 up, 27 down, no hits, no walks, few strikeouts here and there, like that was a perfect game for Marquette. They played a perfect game of basketball. I was there. I've never been more impressed with the basketball team after after leaving a game. And it it's hard to quantify if you weren't there. Like, I hate that kind of when athletes do that, where they're like, oh, if you didn't play the game, you don't understand. Like, it, it's it's similar, honestly, because it's like I, I truly saw perfect basketball that night. And then the Big East run and all the different moments that came in that Big East run, whether it was winning at home against UConn, whether it was the comeback against Creighton, whether it was the comeback in in uh, at Villanova, like that was another great comeback. That was a forgotten one, but that was a that was kind of a turning point win from Marquette, where all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, this is real. They were two and one in conference. They win that next one, and, and then it all, all systems are go. And then it's like after you lose to Xavier at home, on the road, you bounce right back and you beat the shit out of Providence. It, you know, there were so many of those moments. And then winning, obviously, the Creighton comeback in, in Omaha is one of those that will never be forgotten. Just like Marquette winning the Big East tournament will never be forgotten. And doing it against UConn, where UConn basically said, we own this place. This is our house. They had the refs. They had the crowd. It didn't matter. Marquette still won. And Marquette and UConn are now a rivalry. A rivalry was born that night. And that's what, that's what should happen with great teams. And it fucking sucks that UConn and Creighton and Xavier are all moving on and somehow had better draws than Marquette as a two-seed. They're not going to go sour grapes on you just yet. You have to remember the good. I think we're all conditioned to be negative as sports fans. I think Twitter has done that to us. I think that we are all ready to just be like, fire everybody, right? And I know no one's called for Shaka's head, of course not. But I, I really do believe that we all need to just remember fondly what all that happened. And can we be mad about the loss? Fuck yeah. It's going to suck again on, on Thursday. Thursday will not be fun. Thursday will be annoying as fuck because you'll see Michigan State again and you'll be like, that should be us. And if Michigan State beats Kansas State, Kansas State was a good matchup for Marquette. That's the other thing. That's the annoying thing. I had friends texting me right before the Marquette game. Do you want Kansas State or do you want Kentucky? And I said, Kansas State. But I was like, we got to get there first. We can't. Like, I, I can say I want to play Kansas State. They were a perfect matchup for Marquette. Kansas State turns the ball over a ton. They have small guards. They can't really rebound. Guess who also can't rebound? Marquette. Been the disrespect to Bull. Um, but it doesn't happen because it's over because of the Michigan State Spartans. And they advance and they will they will play that Wildcats team. And I think it actually really works in Michigan State's favor 
that Kansas State is exactly like Marquette. But well, you know, we can let the experts talk about that, you know, in the college basketball world. I, I just want to thank Marquette for, you know, bringing kind of bringing this side of me out. I haven't, you know, remembered what it's like to be a college basketball fan in a long time like this. It's been a while, and it's great, and I, I hope it never leaves again. I hope that I can pass it on to my kids when I when I have them, right? And I hope that it's it it kind of just doesn't it doesn't die out again. That the flame doesn't. Suddenly, it's just a flicker, and we mentioned, you know, Marquette and passing, or you know, when it, when something really pisses you off, or maybe there's a flash in the pan, and they have one really good team. But I hope this is just a stepping stone to a bigger and better version of the Marquette Golden Eagles. Let's talk about the game itself. Let's kind of get into it. I have five things that I took away from this game. I have more, but I just boiled it down to five. And I'll try to be quick because I, you know, went a little long on the monologue uh, more than I thought I would. But it's, you know, that's par for the course. Tal Kolek needs to find composure on the biggest stage this offseason. I don't really know how you do that. I don't know if that's talking to a sports therapist. I don't know if that's just playing in more games like this and being determined that you're not going to let this happen again. Tyler Cole needs the motivation uh, that he kind of carried all season, whether it was the fucking chip, I guess you could call it. I think Tyler Cole still has it because everybody's going to remember what he did in the NCAA tournament. Everybody's going to remember that he had some moments in the Big East tournament that were great. That the, Even in the UConn game where I know he played well, but there were still you know the early fouls and getting into foul trouble. I understand the refs weren't great in that game, but he just needs to relax. He needs to figure out a way to just not let the moment consume him too much. And I don't know if the thumb was a bigger deal than it was, and it could be, we could find out tomorrow that he has sprained ligaments in his thumb and he needs surgery on it. And he's out until like June or July. Like that could easily be a story that comes out tomorrow. And if that's the case, that changes my entire perspective on it. But I still stand by that he picked up two fouls on Joey Hauser of all people in the first five minutes of this game. Can't have that happen. You have to be smarter. You have to use your head. And I know Tyler wants to do everything for Marquette. I know he wants to be that guy. But what Tyler real what Tyler forgot in, in the tournament was that when he just takes it easy, that's when Marquette's at the best. When he's just kind of riding shotgun, riding or even riding, you know, as as the driver, but he's driving at an easy pace and he doesn't have the NOS tank on, Marquette's really fucking good. Uh so that's that's a that's one big one for me. The other one is Shaka needs to reconsider how he handles guys with two or three fouls in game because I felt like it cost Marquette. You had the Tyler Cole stretch early on where he picked up two fouls, right? And Tyler Cole sat then for an extended period of time. Now Marquette was able to kind of steady that storm. They they pull pull around in that. The last 10 minutes of the, of the first half was really solid for Marquette with Kolek. The on-off stuff I thought was really goofy, honestly. I didn't think it gave Marquette much of a flow. Uh, and it must be something they practice. But again, I just trust your guys. Just trust that Kolek won't do anything dumb. Oso Yadar goes out with three fouls early. Oso was really good when uh, Medi Sisko was not out there. When he wasn't out there, like Malik Hall couldn't guard Oso. No one could really – Cooper could not guard Oso. Like, Oso was pretty unguardable. And Cisco had foul trouble too. 
And knowing that Izzo is a guy who sits his guys pretty, he he's adamant on that. Like he, that's how he does it. And it's stupid and it's, it's kind of antiquated, but it works for Tom Izzo because Tom Izzo's had a what, 15 sweet 16. So it obviously has, he's figured that out. But I just really think like, if Oso played a little bit more in that second half, and if Tyler Cole played a little more in the first half, and he and Tyler also sat for some time in the second half, I, I just think Marquette might win this game. Like I, I really do, and that's one that that'll kind of beat me up a little bit. Um, you know, I obviously I talked about you know wanting to reflect on the good, but you'll think about that. You'll be like, why didn't Oso just play a little bit more? Why didn't Tyler play a little bit more? And then that's that. The third part, I mean, this is this is the one thing that will stick with a lot of people is the stretch where Marquette turned it over uh, four out of the five possessions. Uh, that's just going to haunt me for a really long time. Uh, it was 42 to 40, Marquette led. Uh, and then the next four out of five possessions were turnovers. Well, the last one was a missed shot. Michigan State didn't score as well up until about the eight-minute mark. And then Michigan State started to turn it around. And Marquette would never lead after that. There was never a Marquette lead after that moment. And so you look back at that and you say, well, what could have been done differently? Well, Chase Ross should have been out there. Uh, I love Chase Ross. I've said I have stock in Chase Ross. Chase Ross stock took a little bit of a hit today. Uh, but I still love Chase Ross. I'm, I'll buy shares, even though they're at maybe not, I would say at its lowest, but it's, it's, at, it's at a low point right now for the Chase Ross stock. I'm still going to buy shares. I think he's going to be great. He just, this moment was a little too big for him. And shocking and pulled. He had four turnovers in 11 minutes. That's inexcusable. And three of those happened in that, in that short time period where everything started to go wrong. And there was no timeout for Marquette. There was nothing. And that's one that's just going to live with me for a little bit. And that's what I'll think about. I think you'll think about it more if next season doesn't go well, right? For some reason, Marquette doesn't find their way to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or whatever. You'll go back to that and be like, if they, if Chase Ross didn't just turn the ball over, if they didn't just have a bunch of turnovers, because that game was there for the taking. That's the moment. That moment right there is when usually Marquette turns on the afterburners, and all of a sudden it's 49 to 40, and Michigan State didn't know what hit him. And then Marquette has control. Marquette had the opportunity to take that game by the balls, and they did it. And that sucks. And that, that's the, that's the shittiest part of this whole thing. That it was there for the taking. It was on the fucking table. And Mark had ignored it. And didn't want it. And I just, I look at those turnovers. I look at those missed shots. It was, it easily could have been fixable. And it wasn't. And and that's, just, we're going to have to live with that. Especially too, if Michigan State goes on and beats Kansas State. And maybe they go to the Final Four. And we're like, wow, it was all right fucking there. Omax and Bengal played really good in this game and they, they deserve their flowers. Like we can talk about all the negatives, but I, I really do think like Olivier Max's prosper took us. I won't say he took a step. I don't want to go that far, but it was, it was a really impressive game for Omax. And that's, that's something that's worth acknowledging. He had 16 points. He had three made threes, uh, three re, or four rebounds in this game. Ben Gold had some great early minutes. I don't know why we didn't see a little more of Ben Gold in the second half. Uh, that is confusing to me. I'm excited for the Ben Gold future. I think they have a really, they have something really strong off their bench. And you know, mentioned Chase Ross. I think he he's included in that. 
And I think you get a little more muscle on David Joppa, a little less baby fat. I think it's going to be it's going to be a really really fun team. And Marquette has to learn how to play with the target on their back. They had one because they were a two seed. They had one when they were in the Big East and or in the Big East title game or not title game, but the Big East in general. And I felt like the St. John, this St. John's and this one mirrored each other, except Michigan State's much more disciplined. Michigan State's much more physical, much better team. And you saw it, you saw why they lost, right? And so it sucks. And I think they need to they need to kind of figure that out. And the last thing I'll say is nothing's given. And I, I kind of alluded to it with the turnover conversation, but you can't just immediately assume that everything's gonna this is a stepping stone. I know I, I know what I said and I'm not trying to argue with myself, but you can't just assume that this is this is like the peak and it's or this is the start, this is not the peak, this is the start, and we're just climbing the mountaintop. That there's a chance that, yeah, maybe this goes sideways. I hope not. hope that's not the case. But that's why you cherish the memories of it, even though it was, it was bad and ended, it ended not the way you wanted it. But, yes, it's, it's incredibly frustrating that the East was there for the taking, especially after Duke lost. But I will tell you this. I don't know what will happen between Tennessee and Florida Atlantic, but if you thought – Michigan State was physical with us, and you thought that we couldn't really handle Michigan State's physicality. Could you imagine what Tennessee would do? Just want to think about that for a second. Like, Rick Barnes is not a great March coach, all right? But Rick Barnes' team is a motherfucker. Their whole, their whole sort of motto was that Livia, Livier, uh, uh, Nakamura, or no, is it Nakamura? What? I think it was Nakamura. It was like, we want to bring you guys into the mud. Like, that's what they want to do. They're bringing the mud. To, and that's their kind of calling card, right? Like Marquette's no finish line. They want to bring you into the mud. I'm not saying that Marquette couldn't beat Tennessee. I think they could. But it would have been a fucking physical-ass basketball game. And I, I like them a lot. I think they are, to me, they are the team I think is the favorite crazily out of the East at this point. Well, we'll just have to see. But, yeah, I uh, – I look at it and it's it's frustrating, but I I do I do wonder, you know, it, it, at some point it looked they looked their age and a couple of, I think my guy Mach pointed that out to me and he's right and it it was something that we hadn't seen all year and it finally it finally happened and you saw it with Duke like Duke it was the same thing with Duke going back to Tennessee like Duke was a young team they played an old team in Tennessee and it sure as hell looked like it. It sure as hell, you know, looked the part. And all of a sudden, you know, and, and Missouri, in a weird way, not they're an old team, but they're not a connected team, right? They're a bunch of transfers. And now, yeah, you connect throughout the year, but the connectivity of Princeton was a lot more there than what you saw with Missouri. I mean, so it is what it is, man. It sucks. Again, I, I thank all those who jumped on board and started listening, and I really appreciate you all. Uh, and it's not done. You know, we'll be back at it. We'll probably be better. Hopefully, hopefully we have more wheels in motion, maybe sponsors, who knows, you know, I don't necessarily want press credentials. I never have. Um, I probably never will. I, I, and it's just a thing, but still, we're going to keep pushing forward, man. And 
I'm excited to continue to talk about Marquette basketball when when we get the opportunity. And, and we'll still talk about the tournament. Um, you know, it's 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 obviously a conversation to be had, and we'll keep our eyes on, on the East, and hopefully it won't hurt us too bad. All right, moving on to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, as for Aaron Rodgers and the great leverage war, uh, this is interesting. Things have gotten weird over the weekend. Everybody is at each other's throats on who has more leverage. That is the conversation right now. Uh, I We talked about the takeaways from the McAfee interview, which was really well received. Uh, thank you for everybody who listened to that. Um, and we talked a lot about leverage. We said, you know, really that I felt like Green Bay had more leverage. Pat McAfee, as well as Aaron Rodgers, disagreed. We'll talk about Pat here momentarily. But to get into just the back and forth bickering, it doesn't kind of mean anything at this point. No one knows. Everyone is in the dark. If you read Tom Silverstein's excellent piece where he talked to four different executives, three of them said basically the Packers have leverage. One of them kind of was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I think they're overplaying their hand a little bit. But they basically all sort of said, yes, the Packers do have more leverage at this moment. But also a lot of them said, hey, I do not want to be in this situation. This is super complicated. This is not easy. This is this is a, unlike a lot of things we have ever seen. You, the word unprecedented gets used far too often in sports. We use it all the time to say, oh, this is an unprecedented event. You know, this is that, the other. This is unprecedented. This is absolutely at that point where it's like, Aaron Rodgers is asking out after just signing a massive deal. It's similar to the Durant deal, right? I guess that's maybe the only the only real comparison, but Durant has a few years left in him, right? So it's not like Durant is at the tail end of his career, but it's I, I guess that's the only one that I can think of. Nolan Arenado, maybe another one uh, in Colorado. Those are the only ones that, I, but again, like it's not apples to apples because those guys still had years left in the tank. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has a year, maybe, or two. And so that's where it's it, the whole dynamic is really tough. And when Woody Johnson doesn't really want to spend the money to get Aaron Rodgers there, that's creating a lot of this friction. So the Packers are not only knowing they, they're asking for the moon because Joe Douglas is saying, okay, I want you guys to trade us Aaron Rodgers. We don't know if he's going to be back the year after. So we don't want to give up a ton. And Brian Gutekunst is like, yeah, I get that, but he's your only option. You have basically said to your fans, you're getting Aaron Rodgers. Do you realize what the fans would do if Teddy Bridgewater is the fucking quarterback of that team or Zach Wilson, heaven forbid? You cannot start the season with Bridgewater or Wilson at quarterback as an, as an organization. That is not promising winning football. That is a spit in the face of every Jets fan, especially on top of the fact that the New York Giants are absolutely rocking and rolling at this point. They gave Daniel Jones, they, they trade for Darren Waller, they made the playoffs last year. The Giants, you know, look like they're ready to kind of take the throne again of the top team in New York football, which has been sort of vacant for the last five years as both teams struggled. You have the Mets who are going to be a World Series contender, even with Edwin Diaz missing the season. The Yankees are likely going to be flirting around. The Knicks might have a playoff run in. New York sports are kind of back. And so what could make the Jets 
you know, in that and make their splash, it would be trained for Aaron Rodgers. And this is where I get to the pressure of it all. And I, I said this a few times on Twitter over the weekend, Tabitha Keg, but at some point, the Jets are going to cave. I don't know when it's going to be. It might be this week. It might be next week. It might be the week after. But at some point, the Jets are going to succumb to the pressure. When you have Stephen A., you have Mike Francesa, when you have Mad Dog Russo, you have Michael K., with, um, who else? Evan Cohen, uh, Adam Sheen. Like you have all these big name dudes coming after the Jets and be like, do something, make something happen. And they're not doing it. There is no way the Jets can say, can leave this bargaining table. They can't leave without Aaron Rodgers. And if they do, where the Packers go, I don't know. I, I, I truly don't. Is it, you know, Bob again had the thing, they, they'll make Aaron Rodgers a backup. Would Aaron Rodgers really be a backup? They would probably, he'd probably retire. He'd probably step down or he'd step away or they'd keep Aaron Rodgers away and say, you you know, you stay away and, you know, it's fine and kind of change the locks on him and not bring the media circus with him. The Green Bay Packers have done stuff like this before. They know, they know how to do this. They are right now dug in and they have time. The draft is not till the last part of April. Andrew Brandt says it all the time. He overuses it, but deadlines spur actions. So it's very possible that we could do this whole leverage dance for another five weeks, three weeks, maybe not that long. Five, but three weeks, four weeks, yeah. It's it's very possible. We'll go wild stories. I think this week's going to be nuts. I think there's going to be a lot of leaks coming out on both sides. And both sides are going to try to make them the sympathetic figure. But it also doesn't help when Pat McAfee is on Aaron Rodgers' side with one of the largest NFL platforms that there is spewing a shit ton of misinformation. So you might have missed it over the weekend, but well, because you were watching the tournament, Pat McAfee was talking with Ian Rapport uh, of NFL Network. Ian Rapport, him or boys. And basically, Pat McAfee says that Joe Douglas is smart GM, Brian Gutekunst is not. And goes into this whole long rant about how they, you know, didn't help Aaron, that they weren't trying to win football. And he's very mean about it. Like he's not, he's not like kind of doing his aw shucks Pat McAfee. He's like serious Pat, okay? Like 60 minutes Pat, if you will. And not, you know, kind of being like, well, what do you think? Like, doesn't it seem weird he drafted a quarterback? Like, why did he listen to Aaron? Why did they draft T. Higgins? Again, more misinformation. The T. Higgins thing is so fucking dumb. Adam Sheen did that too. We call it like the darkest day in Packer history. Like, that's so fucking stupid. T. Higgins was a second round pick, okay? Everybody missed on T. Higgins, okay? No, no one, no one, no one got T. Higgins in the first round, okay? So shut the fuck up. All right, let's, let's move on. Anyways, so he's like, well, he didn't give him enough weapons. You know, he, he treated his guys the wrong way. He's like, Peyton Manning, you always see him with Broncos jerseys. You don't see him with Colts jerseys anymore. That's, again, 100% a lie. It was so bizarre. And then he heard it from Packer fans. Packer fans basically called him out. They're like, hey, look, man, we can criticize front office. We can criticize RGM. But you, you calling, you know, what they've done not – not a good job is wrong. It's, it's not true because it isn't. 
Packers have made it to Packers made it to an NFC Championship game twice. They made it to the division round another time and had home field advantage. They're best team in the NFC. Like you can't deny that Brian Gutekunds hasn't done a good job as a GM, at least from what's on the field. Are there mistakes? Sure, we outlined them. I I'm not saying that Brian Gutekunds is safe by any means. I do think that like. Jordan Love's performance is directly tied to Brian Gutekunst's job and Matt LaFleur for Joe Barry and maybe maybe Jordan Love, okay? Like, this is not, like, I'm I'm not trying to be the water carrier here, all right? So let's just, let's get that clear. I'm saying, all right, it just comes down to the fact that you can't just criticize without facts. And Pat McAfee loves not having facts. And... At some point, you need to bring some actual data to the table, and he did. He doesn't want to because he's an athlete, he's, and that's just what he does. And so they were critical, and uh, you know, some of the guys even that were criticizing Pat McAfee, I don't really like. Like, I'm not a huge fan of them on the Packer Twitter sphere. That said, they were like, "Yeah, it's the chicks getting tired," uh, and then he writes this manifesto on fucking Saturday about like all this stuff. And like how, why he thinks this and like that they did him wrong. And then I believe this. He's like, I, I mean, you know, obviously at the end, so Jordan loves a dog, like trying to make sure like that everybody understands, like he's not, he's not completely anti-Packer at this point. But then there's another weird thing with like a Colts YouTuber and he blocks a guy. And like, it seems like his brain is shattered right now. And I guess what I just have to say, and, and like, look, maybe I'm not the one to say this because I've never been in this situation, but if you can't take the heat, get out of the fucking kitchen, brother. Don't do these things. Let the professionals handle this. This was exactly what I talked about in my last part of the takeaway on, I think that was Thursday's show. This is why you needed a guy like a Bill Simmons, a Ryan Rosillo, if you're in a new podcast, right? That's why you need those guys. And I used the example of Simmons with Nick Khan, who's a buddy of his. And Nick Khan was trying to butter him up. And Simmons was like, oh, fuck that. We're, I'm asking you this question. I need people, my audience needs this answer. And it was great. It was, it was exactly how you do it. And he's not even a fucking journalist. I don't consider Bill a journalist. But that's why you have those guys doing it. Stephen A was doing it, right? Not that Stephen A and Aaron are close, but you'd get a better answer. Kevin Clark. Of the ringer. Uh, to, he has a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. I'm trying to think. Mike Silver is a little biased because he's like a cow guy and you know hangs on everything Aaron does. But still, you probably would get better results from Mike Silver interviewing Aaron Rodgers about this than Pat McAfee. And I think that rattled Pat. He made he commented about how beat writers and radio hosts have steal, stole his shit for two or three years running, just alienating all of those people. And it's just wild to me, man. It's wild to sort of see this kind of unfolding because Aaron's, Aaron's kind of put him in the boat. Like this is on Aaron Rodgers in a lot of ways. So what? Are we going to get another version? Are we going to get another round of Aaron and Pat pitching? I don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, it's very interesting though. And it's, I'm not sick of it at this point. Now I'm dug in, man. Now I'm, now I'm all in. Like uh, Justin Mos Justice Moscata, uh, who's a Packer blogger, podcast or whatever, uh, has the hashtag 13 for 12. And I'm all about it. And I, I love it. So 
let's keep it up. Let's keep breaking brains and keep frustrating people because I think it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully you guys uh, feel the same way. And if you're not on Twitter and you don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, you know, you can check out my my TikTok account uh, at Tapping the Keg Sports. We I have a whole I have this broken down the entire thing with some screenshots, the whole thing. So it's, it's a blast. I hope you, I think you guys would enjoy. It. All right. Let's wrap up today's show talking a little Bucks basketball. Uh, Marquette was the only uh, hoops team in action tonight. The Bucks were in Milwaukee, uh, sell crowd at the five serve on Sunday night, which is impressive. Uh, and the Bucks got it done. They were able to beat the Raptors 118 to 111. Uh, the Bucks were trailing it, heading into the fourth quarter and they turned it on. They put the clamps down on the Raptors, uh, with only 16 points allowed in that quarter. Uh, and Brooke Lopez was spectacular in that quarter, 17 points uh, in the fourth to finish it off. He had 26 overall. This continues to be a thing with Lopez that he's an offensive force. He's playing great basketball on the offensive end. And it makes me think that the Bucks might have something going here as a potential entryway to the NBA Finals. Because I look at Lopez and ask myself, does anyone have an answer for this? Does anybody know how to stop Brook Lopez when he goes down low, when he's getting himself open for threes, the way he's playing right now? And the answer is no. Like, think about this. Look at Toronto. Toronto has Jacob Portal, really good defensive center, and he's a legit center, big dude. And he's just as big as, as Lopez. Didn't matter. Siakam, also good. Not the same, but Siakam can worry about Giannis. And then you have Podol. Didn't matter. It didn't fucking matter to Brook Lopez today. The only team in the East I can think of that has that size is Cleveland. And Cleveland with Allen and Mobley, Jared Allen's been hurt for a while. I don't know exactly what's going on with him right now. But at the same time, Jared Allen's not that big. Like Jared Allen's lanky. He can block shots, but he's not physical. Like going to war with Brook Lopez down low for a seven-game series is not fun for anybody. There was a really good podcast that Bill Simmons and Kevin O'Connor, a lot of Bill Simmons shots in the last few minutes here, uh, talked about how like the centers are, it's kind of a uh, reignition or like a rebirth of the center position. And now the center position has sort of taken over the NBA, and how you need to win with size nowadays and how what the Warriors did four years ago, five years ago, is not going to work anymore in today's NBA. And this is part of it because Brooke Lopez is just harassing the paint. It's not, they just, they have no answer. Nobody has any sort of answer for what Brooke can do off the post or, you know, just jump hooks. There, there's not a lot in the league that can defend that. And the three-pointers are great, and that's a part of it, but you're just seeing more and more of Lopez inside the paint. He actually shot six threes tonight, and those were, doing the math here, those were all the shots he missed. Anything inside the paint he made, he also got to the line seven times. He's also a really good free throw shooter. So that's another part of like the Brook Lopez game logs here. It's been crazy. The month of March right now, he's averaging 21.5 points per game. He's also shooting 46% from three. Like it's unlocked. Against Phoenix, he had 21. He didn't play in the game against Indiana. He had 21 in the game against Phoenix. He had four, 10 of 14. And again, almost all his misses were from three. Uh, 21 there. He had 23 against Sacramento. I made the case in the review that he should be player of the week. Brooke Lopez, look at this. Since the Orlando game on the third, Brooke Lopez has 26, 24, 19, 23, 21, 26. 
That's an absurd run for Brooke Lopez. And it's it's really been unlocked. And it's no longer, oh, it's 15 points here or there. Do you know how scary this makes the Milwaukee Bucks? Do you, do you have any idea? Like, I just look at what the Bucks are right now, and they they really do look like the dominant team in the NBA. And it's exciting. It's scary. Uh, it's it, it's fun. It's, it makes for it's what could be an awesome summer. And it, as long as you know everyone stays healthy and things look right, like this this Bucks team is really damn good. And, and it's not it's not just one guy. And you saw it tonight. Like it was a very balanced attack. You know, Lopez had a lot in that third quarter, fourth quarter, but Chris Middleton was huge. Chris Middleton had five threes tonight. All of a sudden, Chris Middleton started to shoot threes again. He had 28 and five. It's pretty solid for Chris Middleton. Giannis had a triple double. He didn't miss any shots that he took tonight. He missed three, four, four 50 throws. That's it. He had a triple double. Uh, and he was minus 10, which is shows you plus minus. Just not, not a great set. Bobby added 14. Holiday at 11. Uh, you know, it's like, Good luck. And I said this on the review uh, today, but I'm not afraid of the Raptors in the first round. I think it would be a bitch to play them. I think they're just physical. They'll beat you up. They'll scratch your arms. But I, I, I'm not afraid to play this Raptors team in a playoff series, especially with the lack of minutes that guys get off the bench. You know, everybody's playing like 38, 37. Um, I really do think that, you know, the Bucks could, I don't really know if they could sweep them, but I, I definitely think the Bucks could win in five. So, I know that's a be careful what you wish for type situation, but Toronto doesn't worry me like they would have in years past. I think last year and years before, I'd be quaking in my boots and with Toronto, but not this year. Bucks have beat them three times. They, you know, the first game, they should have blown them out. They had that just awful, you know, they gave that game almost away. They didn't. They won that, thankfully. And then the next one, they won without Giannis. Uh, by eight, and then they won again at home with everybody by seven, and they fucked around for you know three quarters basically. So there you have it. Uh, big mulling, mulling on it, and I'm excited and I'm gearing myself towards the Bucks. Um, they only unfortunately don't play the Spurs, so I can't like can't cure myself of my Marquette Blues until this weekend when they face the Jazz and Nuggets. And the Nuggets won, is gonna be a big one. Jokic, Giannis with the MVP stuff, uh, which I'm sure we. We will talk about it. It's too bad it's not like national televised. I I kind of don't get that. I understand that ABC doesn't want to go up against college basketball, but I, I think they would probably be okay. It would probably be what? If, you know, if favorites went out, it would be UCLA, Connecticut. That would be a pretty, pretty fucking good game. I don't know if they would outrate that with Nuggets Bucks. Probably not. So that's probably why, why ABC is not doing it. But still, regardless, I, I well, and they might have women's games. Uh, actually, now that I think about it. They might have the women's tournament, so that that could be part of the reason. So I I, I recant uh, my request for Bucks Nuggets on national television, but yeah, it's it's great. Uh, quick Golden Kegs, best and worst from the game. Uh, Lopez obviously one keg or three kegs, excuse me, two kegs. Giannis, you had a triple double. You, you know Middleton, no, ah man, they give it to Middleton. Middleton for I mean I know it's a triple double, but yeah, I mean Middleton, I felt like had a better game. I'll, I'll go with Middleton. And then Grayson was awful uh, tonight. So, and Grayson just continues to be bad. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a foot thing. I don't know if it's just he's thinking about too much shit. He was awful from three tonight. Uh, he planned, I think he had a good game against the Raptors earlier this season, but not, not this evening. So, disappointing to say the least. 
All right, schedule for the week before we uh, ride out of here. No podcast tomorrow. I need a break. Yeah, I just need to like watch Vanderpump Rules or start like a succession rewatch uh, before like I start watching sports again. I need like a two day break. Uh, the other part is Tammy Keg 500 with Murph and Mitch. I don't know if we're taming it this weekend. I don't know if we're going to tame it next weekend. I'll find out. If for some reason we're taming next weekend, uh, Mitch and I will do like Tammy the Keg 499.5. And him and I will do just our normal weekly pod, uh, probably for Thursday. Uh, so, yeah. So, no pod tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, probably back Thursday. If, like, for some reason we are doing a pod Saturday, I might not do a Friday pod. I don't know. I just... We're getting into kind of dog days a little bit right before baseball starts, everything else. And I I think I assumed that Marquette would be here, honestly. So I thought, ah, there'd be a little more time for everything. And now there isn't. So we'll, we'll just sort of see. As I joke to some friends, Marquette playing at 530, which is when Michigan State and Kansas State are playing. So that would have been terrible for me, which it, it truly would have had. I had, had to alter my schedule entirely. Like I would have had to figure out like, because my wife's gone for the week, I'd have to be like, all right, I got to walk the dog early. I got to do all this. So I was like, ah, I don't even want this. Screw it. Nah, I'm just kidding. Of course, I would have wanted to play. All right. Take care, guys. We will see you on Wednesday. Uh, we'll we'll cook something up for Wednesday. I'll have something good for you. So hopefully, maybe some more Rogers dudes. Who knows? And if something more crazy to happen, you know we'll be there for a podcast tomorrow. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.